0: Well hello everybody, As your Bible open to Acts chapter 20. And again, this is your and my Bible. We believe it's God's word, we believe every word is true, and it is all we need. How exciting is that? Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth If that those statements say to us. Lord, as we go into Acts 20, Lord, may we get on the journey with Paul and watch him in action. And Lord, may we we learn from him, Lord, how in the middle of the most difficult times, Father, he's so faithful to you. And Lord, we know that, that you were with him every step of the way, just like you're with us every step of the way. May we, may we personally learn from these verses in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have seen Paul in such an array of experiences. I mean, there have been great experiences, great miracles, and, and many salvation, you know, people being saved. And yeah, we've seen him in the worst of circumstances. And yet he picks himself back up and he he, pull, he just keeps going on. He just he just wants to make sure that his life counts for service to you. After what, after what, you could almost hear him say, after what you've done for me, and that's why in many of his letters you you can't you can't help but hear him say, in view of what you've done for me, I offer myself back to you as a living sacrifice, and he did. And so last week we we kind of left him. We we were in the middle of that riot, you know. I mean, and he, just because of the the love of money, um, we just saw this mob come into being. And when when a mob takes over, when a mob's heart is selfish, when a mob's whole. Reason for doing what they 're doing is all about me, myself, and I. It just never ends right, and so you know we see this out of control mob, and um, we also saw how this city clerk just kind of um, opened up and and really reasoned with people and and uh, they listened and I, I, that's how we we ended it. But the fact that even in all of that, that havoc, that the that horrible um, situation—I mean—I think if we could just really put ourselves in there, the noise and 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 just the out-of-control spirit that's going on. And yet it says in chapter 20, when the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. I mean, I, I told you last week, isn't that nothing short of amazing? That he would, um, you know, you'd think he'd have to get his wits together and after that uproar had ended, he sent for his disciples and after encouraging them, doesn't anything get him riled? You know, the only thing that I saw when Paul would get riled was when the people would just plain refuse to, to listen and when he would just shake the dust from his feet and, and say, the blood, uh, your blood is on your hands. And he's talking about eternity, I told you, and and this is, I think, the, the way Paul wanted to live his life. He, he didn't want any regrets. He wanted to make sure every day of his life counted because Jesus was worth it. His whole priority for living. I mean, remember m- many of, uh, of his verses, like for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. For, to know that that he has a purpose and his purpose was Jesus to get that message out just awakening just a wake up call that that sometimes we get so in such a in a, such a frenzy that we forget that we're here for Jesus we're here for his service and when Paul just goes the, after the supper, he just gets up and and brings his disciples and encourages them. It's what a mindset, his mindset on Jesus. And then he traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people. Now I just want to make sure that that you're not. Him going from um, town to town and and just giving him a big pat on the back, saying "Good job, good job," that kind of encouragement. No encouragement. And when you read when Paul gives the people encouragement, he's talking about yeah. going through the the principles of God's word, and, and showing them how much they're loved, and even though they might have made a mistake, or, or they have gotten off the track, that Jesus loves them and welcomes them back, and, and that his promises, he promises them a future, and he encourages them with the truth of the gospel, he encourages them with God's words. I just want you to make sure that you know that, that Paul is not a man of fluff. When he is encouraging somebody, he's encouraging them with God's words. And we, if we really stay in God's word, we will stay encouraged. And, and what the root word of encouraged is Courage. And remember, God will always keep us strong and he'll keep us encouraged if we are really listening to his beautiful voice instead of the loud, clanging voice of the world that certainly does not encourage us. So he went through the towns. He traveled speaking many words of encouragement to the people. And finally he arrived in Greece where he stayed three months. See, it doesn't end. Look at Because the Jews made a plot against him, just as he was about to sail for Syria,
1: he decided
0: to go back through Macedonia. And then in the next verses, I mean, and I can't pronounce them, so I'm not even going to try. But did you notice that his companions, he, he, he took along with him a man from Berea. Remember Berea? It's where the people listened and wanted to hear Paul's words, and then they would check them with scripture to make sure that they were truthful. Can't help but love those people from Berea. So one was from Berea. And then he also had a, a couple of men from Thessalonica. And that was another town that Paul just had so much trouble in. But we know that, that this town developed a church that was strong and, and Paul wrote two letters to them. So now there's two men along with, from Thessalonica. Then, and then, then there's a man from Derby. That was another good spot for Paul to go to after he was left for dead in Lystra. And then he, he got up and then went to Derby where many heard and many believed. And then there was Timothy. Timothy was along, and then there was, there was another couple of men from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us. us. So Luke is here. So Luke is along too at Troas, But we sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover after the Passover, and five days later joined the others at Troas where we stayed seven days. Isn't it true Paul just knew when to go where and how long to stay? And that's amazing to me. And I think that's why last week when we talked about when Paul said, you know, have you received, do you know the power of the Holy Spirit? You might have been to the cross of Christ and you might have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, but do you understand the truth of what that third person of the Trinity can do for you? And and so that's why Paul was so emphatic about making sure that people weren't just, you know, knowing about repentance and confession and and forgiveness, but also now we have to live this out into a world that's dark, and we now are the light, and we're the light because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. There are so many Christians today who are trying to do it in their own strength and power. And it's so sad because they have the third person, the third person Godhead inside of them who is just waiting. And maybe we have to learn how to work the third person of the Trinity. You see, he won't, he won't work himself in our lives until we are willing to step aside and put self away and say, I, I'm th- I throw my hands, I want you, Holy Spirit, to lead me, to guide me, to help me with my decisions, to make my Bible study come alive and personal. And this is why Paul is able to go to all these towns, and do I stay seven days? Do I stay three months? Do I go for a year and a half? Do I go for two years? It's because he was so in tune with the Spirit. I know I say this many times, but I just shudder sometimes to think when I, when I don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit, I wonder what I miss. When I think I know better and I don't Ask for the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding because I want what I want, and so I just go headstrong in the direction I want to go. I just wonder sometimes what I've missed because if if Paul hadn't listened to the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't have gone to to Philippi and he wouldn't have met Lydia and he wouldn't have met the Philippian jailer and had that extraordinary experience. Sometimes we're afraid of listening to the Holy Spirit because we're so afraid he's not going to bring us to the direction we want to go. But do you want to miss what, what God has for you? I don't. Well, they stayed there in Philippi for um, or Troas for seven days. And on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day kept on talking until midnight he talked to these people till midnight he knew he wasn't probably going to be able to be back anytime soon so or maybe ever again and he just wanted to make sure that he told them all that he knew and so he just talked until midnight I'm sure that when you looked at um, the questions this week, um, I I just had to put in there. Um, would you sit all night listening to me? <laughs> and don't I don't even care to know. But but anyway, is there anybody that you really care enough and believe enough in them that you would listen to them all night? Well, these people were hanging on every word, and so they're letting him talk until midnight. There were many lamps in the, upper, in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus. So I think Luke wants to know that there were many lamps in the upstairs room, which probably was causing a lot of heat. And maybe it was crowded, and well, you know, later it gets, and you, with, if you're getting warm and it's late, and you know, your eyelids get heavy, and, and this is what happened to a man named, a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. I think he was trying to stay awake. Have you ever been so tired, and your eyelids keep wanting to shut, and yet you want, you have to stay attentive? And and oh, I mean, I think we've all lived that. And no matter how hard we try, those eyelids get heavier and heavier. And I think it's not that that he was bored. I think he was just warm and tired, and he couldn't keep those eyelids open any longer and when he was sound asleep he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead i mean don't even don't even go there if you think well maybe he really wasn't dead he was dead i checked every every version of scripture that i have and he was dead but and i don't want to make light of this but i have to tell you this little joke and in in just as Cute as the joke is, is the person who told it to me because I didn't expect this coming from her. I for for years there there was this wonderful elderly lady who I'd pick up every Tuesday morning for Bible study and she just loved it, she loved coming and she was so knowledgeable. Her name is Ruby, and she loved Bible study. She sat in the front. She just absorbed it. She studied because she didn't have much to do during the day. She studied scripture. This woman loved Jesus, and I loved her. And, and on our way from, um, from her home to the church, um, she was, we were going to do this lesson. This is years ago. And she, she said, um, you know how I remember the name Eutychus? Now remember, she's this saintly, elderly woman. And, and so how, how, Ruby, how did you, how do you remember his name? Because it's an unusual name. She said, well, you'd cuss too if you fell three stories. And I could not believe what I heard. And she started this 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 look on her face, and she knew I was shocked. And it was just one of those moments I'll never forget. And you know what? It does work. I mean, I can I I have trouble pronouncing a lot of these names, but Eutychus is not one of them because you'd cuss too if you fell three stories. But well, I just had to tell you that. But but you know. This really was serious. I mean, this young man is now laying there dead, and Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Isn't that something? If you picture yourself, you could have been maybe a little fly on the wall, and you were watching this. And then Paul threw himself on this young man, put his arms around him, and then shouts to the people, don't be alarmed, he's alive. And then he went back upstairs and, and broke bread and ate. I think he, he thought, well, we better take a little break. We better, we better kind of take a break deep breath here, and so let's take a short little recess. Let's get ourselves nourished, because it is after midnight now. But did you notice he didn't disperse them? He didn't say, well, thanks for staying so long, folks. No, he went upstairs, broke bread and ate, after talking until daylight. No, he just got a little nourishment and, and went on the rest of the night. He must have had people there, people that were hungry to want to know, how hungry, how hungry are you? Is, is it just, is God's word maybe, you know, something you just kind of do for a few minutes or whatever, because it's, it's kind of in the middle of your day, and you've got places to go and people to see, and you've got errands to run, and. I think that's so much of our trouble is because we have such a focus on the things of this world. And I, again, I love the way the old hymn writer gets it. That the more you understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace, his undeserved favor for you and I. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. But it sounds like they all stayed till daylight and then they all left. They were hungry for what Pa had and as long as he was there, they were, they were going to be like a sponge to take it in. Well, then in verse 13, Luke says, We went on. I head to the ship and sailed for Asos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. And he had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. And when, we, when he met us at Asos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day we set sail from there and arrived off Kiosk. The day after we crossed over to Samos, and on the following day arrived in Miletus, Paul decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. So Paul was on his schedule. It's not that he wasn't willing to change it, and it, I think the next verses show that he knows, though, that if he gets to Ephesus and he gets involved with the Ephesus church and and he gets involved with the people in the in the province of Asia, that he he would just he would get stuck there. And so he instead, he from Miletus, when he landed in Miletus, he knew he had to make a connection with the people of Ephesus. He knew it was very important. Ephesus was a very important church. And he had to make sure that, that he had the people trained and ready to what it what to what to mature, to keep growing, to keep moving forward, to not get taken in by false teachings or let human emotions get get them out of out of a sink. So instead of going there knowing it would it would kick him off schedule, he had, he had, he called, he sent for the elders of the church in Ephesus. Now, from what, I, from what I discovered, this was not a, a little invitation like come across the street or, you know, come a mile or two. I, I, from what I see, it was almost, almost or a little over 50 miles. So when these elders were called, they had a lot of traveling to do. But when, verse 18, when they arrived, he said to them, you know. Now, catch this. When, when Paul says, you know, and he says this a lot. In many of his letters, you know. Or, in other words, you're supposed to know this. And whenever you catch Paul saying, you know, you better make sure you do know it you know how I lived my whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. In other words, he's saying, you know, there's no question. You watched me. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. Now, I always kind of thought, if you've got to tell people how humble you are, you must not be. And so I kind of was taken back by, you know, when, when he said, I served the Lord with great humility. And then I thought, oh, of course, Luke put it in such a great way. He served the Lord. And when you serve the Lord, you stay humble before him. Paul is saying, I never tried to be God. I never tried to be famous. I, I didn't try to be... To, to have you awed by me as a person. No, I served the Lord. I knew my place. I, Paul had great credentials. And yet, what did he say to, to the people when he wrote? I count all those credentials for nothing. And so we never have to think that Paul has, has a, one little bone in his body that's, that's prideful. In fact, he's pretty much saying, I served the Lord and I learned to live like him. I learned to live the way Jesus lived. Jesus has been my example. And, and then he says, and with tears. I mean, that's heartfelt. Like I I poured it out from the depths of my heart. You elders, you know that. I gave my all even though I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews, my own people, and I didn't give up, and I persevered, and I kept going. You know, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I didn't hesitate once to tell you anything that would, that would help you. I never hesitated, no matter no matter what I thought people were going to think of me, or if I, if I believed that you needed to hear it, I didn't spare any words. In fact, I taught you publicly, and I taught from house to house, and he said that a couple of times. I think he really wants us to see that I didn't care whether it was a lot of people in a public area or whether I just went from house to house and from family to family. I have declared, that word, I have declared to both you and Greek that we must, there again, I hope you didn't read this too fast, or I really hope you are still reading the chapter every day, because then these little details come out, and you don't want to miss them, because you can almost hear the intensity of of Paul when he's talking to these elders you know how I lived my life and I've declared and I was impartial to Jew or Greek and the message is the same for Jew or Greek and that is that everyone must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus and now compelled by the Spirit see there you go Now he's compelled by the Spirit because if he wasn't led by the Spirit, I would dare say, he would say, huh, let's try another direction. If I know that things are going to get more difficult and I I might even die, then let's try another direction. But no, no, compelled by the Spirit, capital S, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Now who? Who, unless they're under the powerful Holy Spirit himself, would go there? See, this is why we can face what we have to face when we are compelled by God's Spirit to be where we need to be, to say what we need to say, to live like we need to live in this dark world. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are faced to be. However, oh, this is so good, however I consider my life worth nothing to me, Anybody listening here, can you say that? Can you honestly say that your life means nothing to you? It's not that Paul says, I don't amount to anything. He is just saying, I want you to see it's not about me. So I don't care what I have to face. I consider my life about uh, all the things about me yeah, this is what, you know, when he was in a dilemma like, oh, I, I don't know whether I want to live or die because if I die, I know I'll be with Jesus. But if I live, then that means that he's got work for me to do. I mean, that was Paul's dilemma. It wasn't, well, because, you know, I really want to, I want to see this happen yet. I want to experience this and I sure want to go there. And But how many of us can love the Lord Jesus so much that we put our own life on the back burner and say, you know what? I don't really count my life for anything if only I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord has given me. Not the agenda I want for my life, but how, how surrendered, how surrendered am I that I can say the same words as Paul how, how surrendered I, am I to God's will that I could say all I want is that, that I don't want any regrets because Jesus has done so much for me. I don't want regrets. I want to finish the race, complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. And that task was testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I th- that's not complicated, is it? That simply was Paul's mission. And that should be my mission. That should be your mission. We should be about our king's business instead of soak God up with the things of this world. Now I know. Now he's saying, now I know. Now I know that none of you, none of you among whom I have come, uh, that I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Oh, that, I wonder if that was a surprise to them. I wonder if they kind of took, you know, it was kind of a gasp, like, because he's saying, I know, I know that none of you are going to see me again. Therefore, and that therefore is so, that there therefore is so important. I mean, don't you find that in these words, while, while Paul is talking to these elders, that he has moved off from being an evangelist to being a pastor. He's now, he's now moved into that area of, now I want to, you know, I want, because a pastor, what does a pastor do? He, he feeds, he leads, and he protects. And, and so this is exactly what he 's doing with these elders, and as a pastor he 's teaching you 're not going to see me again, so I want to make sure that I feed you right, that I lead you and, and that that uh, that you that 're protected that you are so sure of your safety in the lord jesus that doesn 't mean that you 're protected from from all the world 's nonsense and but but do you feel protected in in the safety of Jesus' promises, and as a pastor, he is making sure so when he after he lowers that bomb and he's saying to them, "You know what you're not going to see me again and therefore and and there's so much wrapped up into that word, therefore it's Therefore, because I'm not going to see you again, because I love you so much, because I invested so much of my heart and life into all of you. See, there's so much in that. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Boy, isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't it be just great to be able to say, my conscience is clear. My conscience is clear. I am innocent of the blood of all men. They know. They cannot stand in front of the Lord Jesus and say, no one ever told me. It's so good. Paul, Paul's just like, you can hear, hear him say, I am so, my conscience is so clear. Everybody that has come in contact with me has heard the gospel story. And then it's up to them what they want to do with it. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I have not hesitated to proclaim to you, proclaim, I have told you, you have got hope in Jesus' name. You have got salvation in Jesus' name. You can become a part of God's family in Jesus' name. I have not hesitated to proclaim to you one thing bit of how all of this can be yours. Okay now he he steps into another position of of a pastor. But this is this is what you need to do. This is how you'll be protected. Keep watch. You have got to keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. But did you notice that Paul said, first of all, what are they to do? They are to keep watch over themselves. It's so easy to tell somebody else what to do and how to live. But Paul wants to make sure that these leaders have their heart right first. You keep watch. And why? Because look, it's all coming against you. Look at life. It it keeps pounding on you. Keep watch that that you are not swept off. That all of a sudden, self is back in control, and you have lost it. And all these human emotions of fear and doubt and anger, and all that comes barreling back. You keep watch over yourself. You can't bring anybody farther than you are. Don't be a fake. Don't be a phony. You keep your heart and your heart pure. You be the mentor. Keep watch over yourself and all the flock. The Holy Spirit is giving you this flock, these little sheep that are following you that are depending on you, that are looking to you as an example. Be shepherds of the church of God. You lead. You be a shepherd of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. The church of God. Oh, I love that song that Bill Gates wrote. The church triumphant is alive and well. Oh, that church, and even though it's not a building, it's the people of God, but yet there's nothing like going and being a part of the church. One thing I think we have all missed is loving to come together and worship as the people of God. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And even though, yes, the church is is made up of individuals, and each of us, when we're a part of the church, means that we've been bought with the blood of Jesus. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Savage wolves will come, and he he put it in those terms because savage wolves—they're going to come. And you'd think, well, a savage wolf—I would know them, and I would see them coming, and I would, I would. Go for protection. The savage wolves You know the devil talks about that. I mean, he 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 camouflages himself, but but he is nothing short of a savage wolf that wants to come in and devour you and I and take away our joy so that even though we are saved and nothing can change that if if Satan strips us of our joy. We are ineffective. We are so ineffective for God's kingdom. Because we we are giving the impression that all is hopeless and doomed. Savage wolves will come in and try to steal your joy. And he's saying, you be careful. You be aware. In fact, even from your own number, men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Oh, we've seen that. There's so many that have ego and pride and they want the numbers and they want a name for themselves. and, And they can Oh, they can talk so slick, and they can they can be so good at what they what they do. They can say all the right words, and they can be so phony. But yet, if we are not content, connected to God's Holy Spirit, we get sucked right up into it. That's why, again, Paul so much wants to make sure that we stay connected to God's Spirit. So be on your guard, exclamation point. I don't, think, I don't think Paul is talking real softly here. I think they can see in his eyes the expression on his face, the tone of his voice. They can hear that Paul means it. Be on guard. Be watchful. Be aware. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. And so I'm going to keep, I want to make sure before I leave you that you hear this intensity. This is important. Now I commit you to God. It's like... I mean, I think now he's kind of settling back. He has shown the urgency to these elders and these leaders of the Ephesus church. And he's saying, now, you know, I've told you everything that I can say. You know, now, you know. Now all I can do is commit you to God and to the word of his grace. The word of his grace He's saying to them, and that's the only way this church is going to survive. Grace alone. And boy, I just wish sometimes churches would come back to this passage and realize that when Paul said, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, that they believe that that's enough. It's not. Programs, programs can't do it. The new age spirit that's going around can't do it. Slip marketing can't do it. Entertainment can't do it. You want a church that's going? It's because of the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. There's nothing else. But grace, the gospel, the unconditional love of Jesus that can do for you, give you an inheritance. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. Paul makes sure that he sees this. I did not covet. It wasn't about me. I wasn't out to to covet everyone's silver and gold. I wish that I had this. I wish I could have what they have. I I mean, he knew how to hit it right on the level. We're often so defeated because we're comparing ourselves to other people and want what they have. And, And Paul says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. He's making sure that they know his his motive, his heart. It was all for the glory of God and making sure that the people of God were being built up. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is better to give. It is more blessed to give. And so easy to say, because we hear this all the time, it's better to give than to receive, but the words of Jesus is... It is more blessed. It's more blessed. You will be more blessed when you give than when you receive. I was reminded of Matthew 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, where we know them as the Beatitudes. And Jesus would say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And on, you know, on and on of the Beatitudes. Blessed are you. All of a sudden, I realized that we will be blessed even more if we give is what does Jesus say? It is more blessed. You are more blessed to give than to receive. That's even better. If that's not a verse of letting self go and make your life be for the kingdom of God, for the king's business, it is more blessed. You will have more blessing if you learn how to give your life. Then just take, take, take all the time. And when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. Oh, I would have loved to have been there. I would have loved, I think it would have ripped my heart out. I think it was very, it was very touching time. And, but I would have loved to have been there. Have watched Paul love these men and this church so much, and yet watched these men love Paul so much with what common denominator that made all that love possible, and that was Jesus, when they had said this, he knelt down with them, and they prayed together, and they all wept you you see feelings. You know, feelings aren't bad. I've been really talking, you know, about letting emotions take over. Feelings and emotions are not bad in and of themselves. And when we see feelings like this here, this is nothing short of beautiful. I'm just talking about when emotions get bigger than our faith, like grief and, and um anger and panic and all those kinds of emotions. But when you feel this deep with Jesus as the common denominator, this is gorgeous. They all wept and embraced him and kissed him what grieved the most. And you know, I think the reason the emotions were so high and why the feelings were so deep is because if it hadn't been for Paul, they they know. They know now they would be lost. They know the story, and without Jesus, they'd have gone to hell. And there again, don't you see the the depth of these feelings? Thank you, Paul. Thank you for coming to Ephesus. They all wept and embraced him and kissed him, and what grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. You know, that happens in life. People that mean so much, that have done so much for us. That we might not see them again or they pass on to glory and we have the hope of seeing them again. But I think this too, it's hard to let people go, but the comfort of knowing that because of Jesus, But they are so grateful. And they, they, I think they felt like they needed him so much. And I know that people in my life, that when I say goodbye to them and let them go to glory, I'm thinking, but what am I going to do without them?" But life goes on, and you have to pick up, you've got to pick up, and you've got to be strong, and you have to utilize the gift of God's spirit. And and this is, and then they come to him to the ship, and after we had torn ourselves away from them. That's what the next chapter is, how it starts. It was hard. It's hard to say goodbye. And you know, I think about that that church of Ephesus, and I went back to Revelation 2, where a letter was sent to this particular church. And the letter to this church, I mean, it, you, when you first start reading it, you would think, wow, what a lot of compliments. I mean, this church was doing, it looked like they were doing everything right. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, and you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You've persevered, you've endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Oh, If I was listening to that letter, I'd think, touche, we have done it right. And then in verse 4 of Revelation 2, yet, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You've gotten so busy doing that you forgot how to love Jesus and be awed by him. And what He has done for you, and that was a warning. That's why the letter went out from Jesus Himself through John. You tell them to repent and do what they did when they first were a new church, when they were excited, when they when they obeyed and they listened and they were thrilled because of Jesus. Repent. Because if they didn't repent, he said, I will take away their lampstand. And you know what? Later down, I don't mean to be a downer, but it just shows that if you don't stay in your first love toward Jesus, if you if you start letting the things of this world take over and you are not awed by his glory and who he is and what he's done for you, if you just get a whole hum and you go out into the world, and no one can really even see that sparkle anymore. You don't sparkle for Jesus anymore. You you kind of blended right in, and you have let like, the things of this world just take over. And unfortunately, you know this church did not survive because they did not take that seriously enough. So Again, I don't mean to be a downer and leave, here, leave this lesson there, but it is a warning, just like what Paul gave the warning to these elders. Pretty much, I mean it. I'm telling you the truth because if you don't follow and obey the truth of God's word, if you are not obedient to his instruction, you will, not only will you miss out but it is serious business. And so, this lesson, it's just, I just think it, it's so relevant. It's so, it's so beautiful to be able to watch Paul, um, the way he poured his heart out to these people and these elders, and he warned them, and the true feelings of the body of Christ. So much in here. May we take it to heart. Father in heaven, we know that this lesson is in here for a reason. May we ask you through your spirit to show us what this lesson was in. Why did I study this lesson today? Why did I need to hear this? Where have I gone off that I need to be brought back? What have I been warned of that maybe I didn't even know that I had gone in the wrong direction? Father, help us to just really absorb these words. May we have a desire to want to know you more, and as we know you more, we want to live and serve you more, that our lives are not about us, but about you. Father, may we sparkle for Jesus' name. He's so worthy, and it's in his name we pray, amen.